doesn't go the way you want it to go, and you're pushing buttons and things aren't do happening. So I promise you the video was amazing and epic, and you're going to be so sad that you missed it. But come back next week. Maybe we'll have one going then. How about that? Well, my name is Matt Williams. I'm the lead pastor of City Church. If you're visiting with us this morning, I'm so glad that you're here. I just wanted to welcome you here. If you're watching online, I, I want to welcome you as well. Yeah, I know that you typically watch online before you come and visit, so we're hoping to see you someday soon if you are watching online this morning. And I'd like to get started and, and tell you about a story from, from my childhood. You know, uh, when in the late 80s into the early 90s, um, there was this crazy thing going around uh, that I had a poster in my room about, and, and everybody was saying this phrase all the time. And, and I was always wondering, what, was the, what would this phrase come from, and how did it apply? And so I, I went and did some research this week, and I learned something really interesting. There was a company that was very successful. It was doing really, really well, and they actually were, had major sales, like $870 million a year in sales. And they decided to put together a marketing campaign. And this marketing campaign propelled them from $870 million a year in sales to $9.3 billion in sales. And all it was was three little words. Just do it. Just do it. I had that poster on my wall. They had got sports guys. I had a thing of Michael Jordan doing the, 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 this thing with a ball in one hand. I don't know if you guys ever saw that poster. Hand spread wide. And, and it just said, just do it, is what it said on, on the thing. Now, every kid had this just do it poster on the wall. And, and my parents, I think they enjoyed it because they, they would say, hey, Matt, are you going to clean your room? Yeah, I'm going to get to it. And they just point to the poster. Are you done with your homework? I'm all, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. And they just point to the poster. Just do it, right? Just do it. I'm telling you, when you just do it, things get done and things happen. Just do it. Even today, after all these years, when I say just do it, you think of Nike. You think of the company that started this whole thing. Because they had this three words that made such a major, major difference in their company, but it made a big impact in our world. You know, you can't just think about the things that you want to do. You actually have to do them. So think about this. You guys know of Alexander Graham Bell, the guy that invented the telephone. What you may not know is that he was an avid inventor and invented all kinds of things. And, and, and he made the telephone, invented it. They were working on it. They had it going and he was so excited. His father-in-law was his financier and was paying for things. And he kept telling him, hey, you should go patent that. That's a great idea. It's working. And he's like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And he never got to it. And finally, the father-in-law was like, Forget it. I'll go patent this thing for you. So he takes the stuff down, files the patent in the office, and lo and behold, two hours later, a different inventor who had also invented a very similar device came into the patent office to patent it. Alexander Graham Bell would have not have been known for the telephone. It wouldn't have been the Bell companies or Ma Bell or, or that had spread across the United States. The, the, the other inventors, his name was uh, Gray, uh, uh, Elisha Gray, he tried to file the same patent. If they had not filed the patent, his great idea would have been for nothing. His kids, his kids' kids, his kids' kids' kids all lived a life of wealth because the funds that came from the patent that he filed. It's amazing, isn't it? Sometimes we have an idea in our head of something we should do, but unless we just do it, it doesn't get done. It doesn't get done. Reminds me of a story of, 
of a tightrope walker, a guy named Blondin. He was the, the, the greatest tightrope walker of all time. People would come out in crowds to come watch him walk these tightropes. And so he strung one across Niagara Falls. And, and many of you have heard this story about this guy. And, and he, he walks across and back and everybody's cheering for him. And, and he's like, can I carry this and walk it back and forth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he does it. He comes back with a wheelbarrow. And, and he says, can I take a wheelbarrow across the tightrope and back? And everybody's cheering. He does it. He, he comes back and he says, what, can I take a person in the wheelbarrow across the tightrope and back? And all the crowd's like, yeah. And he looks at the most enthusiastic guy and says, okay, you, sir. Hop in the wheelbarrow. The place went silent, right? And I was like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Sometimes we can get so excited about our faith. We can get so excited about things. But when it comes time to actually take the step and to just do it, we come into challenges, don't we? We come into challenges. I mean, how good is your faith if you're not going to do it? If you're not going to do it. You know, why am I so passionate about this? Why am I so passionate about people just doing it? This whole series is based on the idea that your faith works if you work it. And we're going through the book of James. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in James chapter 2 this morning. But but I'm so passionate about this idea of of faith works when you work it. You know why? Because I've seen people who had the idea but didn't take the step. I've seen people who who had the the call in their life, the potential, the God-given potential to do great things in this world, and they never activated that potential by taking the step of faith that was required for the action. And they live a life of regret looking back at what could have happened, what should have happened, what would have happened. And the coulda, shoulda, wouldas, they end up crushing people. You look back in your own life, and I don't know about you, but I can look back in my life and I can see opportunities that I missed because I didn't take the step of faith that God was calling me to take. I'm passionate about this because, church, I want us to be a church that takes the step of faith when God calls us to take the step. Because regret is a hard thing to deal with. It's a hard thing to deal with. And so here we are in James chapter 2. Our faith works if you work it. James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can, faith, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving him the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? So also by faith itself, also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be known, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? It's interesting, isn't it? Believing in God and following God are two different things. You know what I mean? I mean, it says in here, even the, even the demons believe, right? They believe he exists, but they resist him. So belief and following are, are two different things. Sometimes we can profess our faith, but, but our actions speak louder than our words. So does, does our works follow what our faith is or what our mouth confesses? In verse 14, it says that, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? In verse 14, faith requires action. Faith requires action. Amen? Faith requires action. Believing and following are different. Cheering on the sidelines versus jumping into the wheelbarrow. 
Are you willing to jump into the wheelbarrow if God asks you to jump into the wheelbarrow? Are you willing to take a step? Are you willing to take the sacrifice? Are you willing to make this, the change necessary that God asks you to make when a time comes? Because when you sit on the sidelines and cheer, it's easy sometimes to come to church on a Sunday and, and be excited about our faith. But what happens on Monday? What happens on Tuesday? What happens when there's something that happens in the office and you know that you might need to go pray for this person? Or you might need to go take care of something. Or maybe you need to go pay somebody's bill. Or maybe you need to go take care of something in somebody else's life. What good is faith that doesn't do anything? And in verse 15, 16, it says, Faith requires compassion. Faith requires compassion. Verse 15 is, If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving him the things needed for the body. What good is that? James is making a hypothetical situation. He says, suppose that. Hypothetical situation. He's envisioning real action towards real people. You don't have food. You're hungry. Well, our thoughts and prayers are with you. That you might find food and shelter. That you might find a warm coat. Listen, we should pray. We should have thoughts. We, we, we should, but those thoughts and prayers should drive us to action. The thoughts and prayers don't fill their belly. Food does. The thoughts and prayers don't keep them warm. The, the coat does. In fact, our faith should, should motivate us to a place of action. It's so frustrating sometimes when you see the problem and you want to take action, but everything that happens is just thoughts and prayers, isn't it? And I know this week is a week where we see another shooting in a school. And it's a terrible situation, isn't it? Everyone that I've ever talked to says we've got to find a way to keep these kinds of weapons out of these kinds of madmen's hands. And, and everybody wants to make the change and make the impact, don't they? They just have a disagreement on how to get there. But as we all sit on the sidelines and watch the disagreement happen, thoughts and prayers are there, but is action going to happen? It gets frustrating, doesn't it? It gets frustrating. How frustrating is it sometimes to see a homeless person that's on the side of the road and you think, I want to help them, but you see the homeless population growing in our city. What is it that we can actually do to make a difference in the homeless population in our city? What about businesses that are struggling that, that need that extra boost? Gosh, it would be great if our city had businesses that were thriving. Wouldn't it be great if these things were happening in our city? What would happen if our faith turned to action that made a real impact in our community? A real impact in our community. We have a country that gets frustrated. We look at our government sometimes, don't we? And we see the Congress and the Senate, and they fight over sometimes little issues. Everybody wants to see a solution, but they can never seem to agree. Church, we should be a body of people that in the midst of the, the, the conflict and the midst of disagreement and the midst of all that, we should be a, a body of people that come up with solutions and help bring faith into works, into the lives of people around us. We should be known by our works. We should be known by the impact that we're having. Do we need thoughts and prayers? Absolutely. Do we, do we need to be praying for those? Absolutely. But what good is it if it doesn't turn into action? What good of it is it if it doesn't turn into works? That's what James is saying in this passage. Our faith cannot be this way. Our compassion for others must not stop at lip service. It must translate into deeds and activity. 
So in verse 17 and 18, it says next, it says that, um, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You see, faith requires some evidence. Faith requires evidence. Your work should be a byproduct of your faith. Your work should be a byproduct of your faith. Your works don't save you. Your works isn't what gets you into heaven. Your works, your works isn't what creates your faith. But if you have faith and you're following Christ, there's an action in following Christ. And in that following of Jesus and in your faith, as you're working out your faith, it starts to do work. You start to see things happening. If you have an apple tree, it produces apples, doesn't it? The apple, the apple, you don't go get an apple and then build a tree back from that. It's from the roots that the tree grows and builds and the fruit starts to come from that. Our faith should be something that from the roots starts to grow up inside of us. And we should start to see product and start to see things growing out of the faith that we have in Christ. You see, faith grows from the root to the fruit. Faith grows from the root out to the fruit. And we've got to be people that have good, solid roots. And you know what? Well, we have a, an age of information, and, and every one of us has information, don't we? We have Bibles on our phone, Bibles on our shelf. i got like 18,000 translations of the Bible in my hand today, right here on this little device. We have the information, but are we feeding the roots, and are those roots growing into a tree that produces fruit? In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus even talks about this, that a bad fruit or bad fruit does not come from a good tree and a, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So good tree, he says, good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Jesus says this, chop down the bad tree and use it for firewood because that's all it's good for. Chop down the bad. Are we a good tree or are we a bad tree? Are we feeding our roots with the word of God? Or are, we, are we growing the root so that it produces the fruit? You can identify a tree by its fruit, Jesus says. You can identify people by their actions. You can identify people by their actions. So what is your identity today? If people looked at the actions in your life, what is the identity that they would assume that you have? Is your faith working? you look at the fruit in your life and you're saying, I don't know if this fruit is truly identifiable as being a follower of Christ, you need to go back to your roots and start working. Because when you feed the root, you'll grow the fruit. Faith grows from the root to the fruit. True faith causes action. True faith causes action. See, genuine faith should produce good works. Faith is what saves you. But think about it. Jesus, his work on the cross is what saved us. He was praying for his disciples all the time. He had compassion for people, but it wasn't until he started to apply that passion, compassion, and start to apply that love in the form of some sort of a, an effort that it actually made a difference in our life. If you think about it, right? Like, like it wasn't until Jesus put himself on the cross and died that he finally paid the price for us to have a right relationship with God. Talk about the ultimate work, the ultimate sacrifice that that faith did 
for us. If the band would come, I'm actually going to be wrapping up this morning. The fruit of the cross is what we get to experience now. Hmm. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is an action. Faith is an action. There is action attached to faith. So what you do defines you as a Christian. It defines you as a follower of Christ. Your faith saves you. Your works cannot save you. As a saved person, should you not act accordingly? So faith grows from the root to the fruit. Believing does not make you a follow does not make you a follower of Christ. Following makes you a follower of Christ. So how do you feed those roots? Like what is it that you do to feed the roots? At the beginning of 2018, we had some challenges. Some of you guys remember this. But we made a challenge and we said, "Hey, if you can apply 1% of your day into feeding the root system inside of you, you're going to see a difference in your life." Right? We, I mean, we said this in the beginning of the year, and we went and looked at exercise, and we said, hey, if you can apply 1% of your day in exercise, vigorous exercise, you'll see a difference in your body. Well, the same thing is in, is in your spirit as well. Now, I know for some of you, 1% isn't enough, and you're going to want to do more. But think about it. 1% of your day is 15 minutes. If you exercised at, an, at a high rate, 30 minutes every other day, you will see a great impact in your body and in your health. What if we spent 1% of our day working on our spirit person, working on, on our soul, working on our spirit? So what does that look like? We, we're reading the Bible every day. We're praying every day. You can read the Bible for 10 minutes and pray for five. You can read for five and pray for 10. Maybe you're a superhero and you got big muscles and you're like, I'm going to read for 30 and pray for 30. Hey, you know what? That's okay. That's good, actually. It's probably better to give more than 1%. So that was one of our challenges. How many of you guys are partaking in this 1% challenge? Your hands, any of your hands? See, the hands all over the place. Are, people are engaging in our 1% challenge to be able to give 1% of our day at least to the Lord every day. You're feeding the roots. You're feeding the roots. And, and the, other, the other thing that we decided to do in 2018 was this, is that we're going to say that we're for our city. We have this hashtag 4ABQ that we've started to promote and push everywhere that we can push it. Listen, we are for our city. We're for the people in your office. We're for the people in the cube next door. We're for the people that, that I don't even know yet. You see, God is for you and not against you. And for so, many, for so long, people have thought, well, the church is just against everything. Listen, they need to hear that God is for them. That God is for them to have peace and hope and joy and love. And so how do we, how do, we do that? And we've actually got our church centered around core values, four core values and four action steps. But, but here's the thing, and many of you have this card and you've already started to do it. Mine's, I carry it in my pocket, so it's getting worn out. But, but I've got names written here and every day I'm praying for four names that God would reveal himself to them, that, that God would show his love to them in their life and that God would use me to do that. And so many of you have these cards. And I know I've been hearing stories about you guys taking a card, writing down four names, and praying for somebody. Listen, when you feed the root on the 1%, you can start to step out in the fruit on the four people in your life. Listen, it's a root to a fruit thing. It's a root to a fruit thing. This is all through the Bible. So are you, what is your fruit? What is your root? Are you feeding your roots and are you getting your fruits? That's my challenge to you today is that, is your, are you feeding the roots? Are you getting the fruits. See, faith is more than what you have, but it's something that you do. 
Faith in motion tends to stay in motion. And when people see your faith by what you do, they'll be more willing to listen to you when you want to talk to them about it. Church, will you stand with me? We're going to sing one more song today. And I'm going to pray over all of us this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that, that you paid the ultimate price for us. God, I thank you that, that you paid the price on the cross, God, that, that you made the sacrifice, that, that, that you did what needed to be done for us to have new life in you. And so, God, I pray that as we are going through life, that, that we would feed our roots. God, allow our church to start to feed their roots on a new level. And God, help us to see new fruit on a new level. God, help us to be able to make the steps and the works of faith, just like you did for us. God, allow us to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Allow us to live like Jesus and to share his love everywhere that we go. God, raise up an army right here in City Church to go make an impact in our city for your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. over